What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and all the places you need your music to be. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in-store 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor fastest payouts they help out with automatic splits cover song clearance and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases i dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians bands studio artists DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home, and they also offer label services as well. They've got three different tiers to offer creators that start as low as $22.99 a year. That's just $1.92 per month, and even their top tier breaks down to only $7.50 per month. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper for you. Check out the link in the episode notes. I also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it'll give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their longtime support of this thing. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes. Clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe wherever you are listening from. Tell a friend about the podcast. Check out the monthly playlist that I've been dropping every first of the month. Those are available on Apple and Spotify, pretty spread out genre-wise and just a snapshot of what I'm listening to throughout the month. Some things making it into my DJ sets and uh, you can find little links for those in the episode notes. Hope everyone is doing well out there. If you're in the Portland area, hope you're doing all right with the snowstorm. Been seeing a lot of big trees that have come down, people losing power. So I know it's been a bit of a mess for some. So wishing you well out there. Stoked to get in to episode 394 with Portland, Oregon-based musician and songwriter, Shy Honey, a.k.a. Anna Gilbert, who's been making some really great pop music and is just a sweetheart of a person. I met Anna a long while back through our mutual friends in a band called Camp Crush, but it wasn't until the last couple years or so that I've really gotten to know Anna and have had some chats with her at some gatherings. Like I remember a couple years back 
getting to chat with her at our friend Isabel's birthday and just a handful of other interactions through mutual friends and just enjoy her spirit. Very fun to be around and she's a killer musician and I learned a lot about her through this chat that she and I had on the mics. I was especially surprised to hear about her feelings towards playing live, which you will hear in this conversation, but Anna is just one of those people to me when she's on stage performing her tunes that it it comes across as very comfortable to me in that space. And uh, you will learn through this chat that it is not always the case. So like I said, stoked to share this one. Had a great time talking with her aside from being a great musician and songwriter and is also a school teacher and reflecting back on this conversation through the editing process and also just thinking about the time that I have had to spend with her over these last couple years. Um, I think Anna is the type of person that we should be grateful to have in our school system and, and teaching the youth. And I just imagine her to be very good at what she does on that front. So if you enjoy this chat and you are listening to uh, this episode on release day or close to, you can catch Shy Honey on Wednesday, January 24th at Mississippi Studios one of my favorite venues in the city and uh, she will be there playing music with the before mentioned an amazing camp crush and local Vonnie Kyle. So the links for Anna, AKA shy honey will be in the episode notes. Check out her available streaming tunes and stay tuned for more new music from her. And uh, with all that, We are going to get into this thing, episode 394, with Shy Honey, a.k.a. Anna Gilbert. And to kick things off, we are going to play a track from Shy Honey called Sidewalks. Let's do the damn thing. Likewise. Thanks for having me. And you're very welcome. And I'm also excited that it's it's always pretty important to me that I get to see people play live before I have them on the podcast, if possible, because sure. I feel like it just 
informs so much and and often just like shapes where I want to go with the conversation. But just for starters, uh, it's always very enjoyable to see you perform live. I feel like thank you. You uh, every time I see it, it's just so tight and feels very polished, and it comes across effortless in some way even though I know that a lot of work goes into it and I feel like maybe in a city like Portland Oregon that prides itself on the DIY and the the psych rock and the the gritty (laughs) punk rock stuff that a lot of times you know that pop polished aesthetic can uh maybe get overlooked or maybe uh just people don't appreciate like what goes into making a performance totally. look so seamless and effortless. So right, right. I just want you to know that I, I recognize you. that. Thank you. And I, and I fuck with like all of the, the heavy, <laughs> like psych rock and DIY stuff too. No, and, I love it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do um, maybe notice that Thank happening you. here sometimes. So Thank you. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I also, you know, I love all genres of music and but like growing up, I was such a pop kid. So I was like, Hey, why not try it? Like, let's go. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I want to get into all that. Yeah. I want to get into to all the things, For but, sure. um, before we like jump in yeah. to where you are at now, yeah. help me lay some foundation for for that kid. Where did for you sure. grow up and uh, what got you into music? Like, was there yeah. music happening in the household? Totally. Yeah, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, my parents were both musicians. My dad was in a bluegrass band. He went to U of O, majored in music. He was a band teacher. Um, and my mom was a singer. They were in jazz groups and, um, music was just always a part of my upbringing. Started out playing piano in like, you know, kindergarten, first grade with, you know, piano lessons. Yeah. It was always in choirs, ensembles. Um, did you always enjoy that stuff? Loved it. Like even piano from a young age, you weren't one of these kids that were like begrudgingly taking piano lessons. Freaking loved it. Yeah. And I would play like by myself at night till, you know, two in the morning, my parents would let me play instead of going to bed. You know, I'd sit up and write songs in little notebooks and, um, yeah, like I, I eat, slept, breathed music all the way you know, really through high school and college, I was a choir nerd through high school. I was in little ensembles, like little quartets, and I was in the jazz band at school. Um, and I played piano for a jazz choir one year, and then I was in jazz choir. So I was definitely a music nerd for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like my background. Yeah. Like I, I wrote songs. I had like a little like recorder that I would like sing my songs in and I'd enter song competitions and just a dork from, <laughs> from day one. Did you seem to gravitate <laughs> towards like wanting to write your own songs yeah. from a pretty young age? Pretty young age. Like music was, uh, and piano was like really the vehicle for me to, to write. Like I learned piano so that I could write music. Um, like I was always writing songs down in, in notebooks as a kid and just, you know, yeah, like I never thought like I want to be a classical pianist. It was like I want to be a songwriter. Yeah, were you way more into like working on your own songs than learning covers too? Yeah, one hundred. Like I didn't even. I mean, I'd learn covers. Like I learned Casey and JoJo all my life. Yeah, and like Vanessa <laughs> Carlton, like making my way downtown. Like I learned all that stuff. Um, but you know, ultimately, you know, I was wanting to write my own songs. But like, I would sit there and like 
press record and play on the tape deck and record songs I liked on the radio right when they came on, you know, so yeah. that I could go back and learn them. Um, I like one of those 10 disc CD changers. Yeah, absolutely. I would sit there and write down the lyrics from in my notebook. And like, I loved uh, Weezer, the blue album. And I got like the poster and I, like, I learned all the words to that back in the day. And I try to like, you know, see like what local artists were playing in Eugene and have my mom drop me off and, you know, listen to them play if I was like, you know, able to. And so, yeah, I was definitely okay. a music nerd and going to shows. Oh, totally. Coffee shops. Cause you know, you can't go to like taverns yeah. <laughs> when you're under 21, but like, yeah, I'd go to like as much music as possible. Like I just eat it up. So. And Eugene's a college town. So it I'm is. assuming there is like a lot of all ages type shows happening totally. when you're growing up. Yeah. When I was 16 and I could finally drive and I had a car, I'd go down to the Starbucks on 18th and I'd listen to, um, they used to have like, now it's a Mucho Gusto, it's not a Starbucks, but at the time it was a Starbucks. And I'd just listen to like Mark Allen was like a local artist back then and just amazing vocalist and guitar player. And you know, there's also some other local artists down there that I'd go listen to and um, Cafe Paradiso on campus, like all these places, I'd just go by myself and listen. So yeah, for sure, like a music dork, like couldn't get enough. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have like a lot of uh, peers of yours that were also playing music? You know, it, I had my my bestie at the time. Um, she would come along with me, and but but no, you know, like not a lot of people around me were kind of like the singer songwriter type, like I was. Like I was kind of like I felt like a little bit of a fish out of water, maybe. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I'd that was sort of a trail that I blazed solo a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. Were you able to find places to, to play as a younger person in Eugene? No, not a lot. Um, not a lot of places to play. Like I was also really nervous, like to be honest, like I yeah. didn't really like want to play live. Um, I grew up in church, so like I would play like, you know, solos in church or whatever, but like I was nervous. Like I was like, you know, I'd sing solos in choir and stuff and like freak out all the way up until like I sang the solo. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like just, yeah. I wasn't super like performance forward. Like I, I love to write, but like the performance part wasn't like what made me tick. It was really the writing and the yeah. watching and the singing For sure. alone. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it sounds like you were writing all your own stuff from a pretty young age. So For it's sure. like a, a vulnerable thing to yeah. share your, your thoughts. Oh yeah. 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 I was definitely writing writing from the, from, from my HOH heart of hearts. And, um, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you know, all the stuff about like, I'd meet a boy at summer camp and then like write about him in my journal and like go home and be like, does he see me? Does he know my name? <laughs> like, <That's amazing. laughs> you know, like all that stuff. So yeah, I was very, I was very like wearing my heart on my sleeve through my music back in the day. Yeah. Do you think since you weren't super like eager for the performance end yeah. of things, so did that feel like a like an important or just a good way for you to like process feelings and kind of the the world around you through songs? One hundred, yeah, like for sure. Like writing songs was sort of like therapeutic, and I think it still is. And what's funny is that hasn't really changed. Like I still don't really love performing. Like. I love writing and creating in the studio. I love collaborating with other artists, but like, I don't like sit there and dream about being on stage. Like I sit there and dream about like, you know, making a new song with friends or something. And I think that oftentimes 
hinders me from playing out a lot because like I don't sit there and dream on being tour on being on tour like I sit there and dream about like wouldn't it be fun to like rent a house in Sun River and like get all our friends together and like make songs for like a weekend like that to me sounds like an absolute like euphoric experience or like being in a band and going on tour sounds really fun like playing keys like I played keys for Hannah Glaver like last year a little bit which was such a blast and I love do it but like me being the main performer is like for some reason like I don't like love that pressure where some yeah. people thrive yeah I'll do it and I can do it and I've done it a million times but absolutely it's, but you it's, do it very well like thank I said you, thank you but like it's not what makes me take I would never know that I feel like from seeing the live show <laughs> thank like, you. you look like you're you're having a lot of fun <laughs> it's a learned muscle it. you know what I mean like you know how to like turn on a certain thing but yeah it's for me, the the joy is really in the creative the creative process and the creation process. Yeah. So yeah. Where do you feel like your uh, your point of view or your uh, I don't know like your your style or approach to storytelling through songs has has come from? That is such a great question. Um, you know, it's really changed for me my whole life, and I think I think music lovers you know, people who like just love all genres of music probably face the same issue where some eras of their life, they're like very folky and like navel gazing. And they're like, I just want to like play my guitar and like sing songs and like, and then other times they're like, no, I'm feeling like very like aggressive and I want to start like a, like an angry rock band in my dad's garage, you know, like, (laughs) you know, or like for me, it's like I started, you know, sort of singer songwritery and then I was like very whimsical and then I started shy honey and it was like, this is going to be very synth poppy. So like, it's so hard to like nail down like who exactly I'm channeling at any given time. Cause I just think it changes all the time. Yeah. I'm really inspired. I was like my latest like inspiration, um, you know, I think like everybody, Madison Cunningham is just like, wow, like Amazing. what, what a talent, you know, what a, what a rock star. But you know, when I was a kid, like I said, like I loved like Oasis and Weezer and yeah. like, you know, like I still cover an Oasis song when I play with Shy Honey. So I just think it depends. Like I also grew up listening to like Paul Simon and still listen to Paul Simon and, um, the Beatles, like who doesn't love the Beatles? Yeah, so I don't know, man. It just depends. Depends on what mood we're in, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like who we're inspired by. Do you feel like it's gotten easier to share your songs out into the world as you've gotten older or vice versa? Oh, wow. That is such a great question. I think it's gotten harder. I think I'm more of a critic now because I think our taste gets better as we get better at what we do. Yeah. So we're harsher on ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. I listen to the, some of the stuff that I release, you know, like even 10 years ago and I'm like, I'm cringing. <laughs> yeah. And like my Spotify page for my actual name is just like an abandoned amusement park of songs that I never <laughs> visit, you know, because and I haven't released an Anna Gilbert song in, you know, a decade probably. But that being said, you know, I think it shows growth and I think, you know, but I think it's really hard. Like I, I listen, I, I'm like that. I don't know if you're like this, but you make something and then a year later you listen back and you're like, Oh my, ugh, I shouldn't let mix or like, Oh, that kick is just like too loud. Yeah, yeah. Or like <laughs> shouldn't have done that VGV right there. Or like should have added more. So I'm always like, I think my taste is always changing and I think growing and evolving. So I, 
I look back on things and I'm, I'm, I, I don't like to listen back honestly to things from like years ago. Like, yeah, there's no let way. It, let it live there. <laughs> there's no way I'm listening to like episode 40 of this podcast oh my God. for yes, myself. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. I don't want, <laughs> nope. Nope. It would be rough for me. No. Nope. Yeah. Periodically I'll go and take things down off of like YouTube or Spotify if I really think, but I really want to let things live because it's like, it does. It's like, no, it's a, it's a journey, you know, it's a process. Yeah. It's good to show. They're like the tattoos I got when I was 19. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, well, I guess that just like lives here forever. And uh, it's yeah. a snapshot in time. You're like, I wanted the dolphin on my lower back. <laughs> like I really wanted it jumping out of the water, splashing yeah. <laughs> in the sunset. That's what I wanted. <laughs> Do you think it can also maybe get harder just because of maybe like the lyrical content yeah maybe changes over time or like potentially being like more revealing of your your feelings at like this point in your life yeah i think so yeah and i think too like simple's the new complicated right so i went through like a really interesting time in my life where I was writing, like I, I was really trying to be super metaphoric and like use a ton of figurative language and symbology and yeah. stuff. And then, and then, you know, you come full circle to like, you know, synth pop and I'm like, how simple can I make this? How can I say that? And just like use no metaphors and just like some sort of internal rhyme that sounds good when you're, you know, just phonetically singing it in yeah. your voice. So it's weird. Like, yeah, I mean, sometimes a lyric is better simple, just the way that singer sings it. Um, you know, like a refrain that a singer sings over and over again would sound really good on that singer's one singer's voice. And if someone else said it, it would not sound good. Yeah. So it's all like that. It's like this weird, like voodoo magic with music. It's like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. with the synth pop stuff. Cause totally. it, it, often you're just like trying to make that vocal just to like another layer of totally. instrumentation and, totally. and just bring the, the best hook. 100. Yeah. Yeah, like you don't want to over, you know, overdo it lyrically in a pop song, but sometimes like more is more. So I don't know. I think it just <laughs> depends on the track, you know. Yeah. So. Has it been able, like, easier for you to, like, discern or like trim the fat of the lyrics as you've gotten mm -hmm. older? Like, mm -hmm. is it easy to? I think to so. kind of see what actually belongs and what needs to go. I think for my personal taste and style, I've gotten more confident in saying what I like. So maybe in, maybe in other people's music, I wouldn't be able to necessarily comment or like be decisive, but with my own stuff, I think I've gotten better at being like, I don't like that or like that doesn't sound good. Whereas like maybe 10 years ago, I'd be like, does it sound good? I don't know, but it yeah. really means a lot to me. So I'm going to keep it, you know, yeah. where now I'm like, I don't care if it means anything. That does not sound good. You know, <laughs> like, like I think I've gotten better at that at just being like good at like, you know, lyric surgery, you know, yeah. has that come easier amidst collaboration on tracks too for you to like really speak up and and say when you're not feeling something yeah i think so yeah i think working with other great you know talent um in town and you know even friends i have that don't live in portland that i've gotten to work with like i think just you sort of glean you know little tricks and tools off of people who are doing it as well and you're yeah. like i'm gonna keep that tool for me too you know yeah. or like <laughs> i'm gonna remember that and yeah, man, there's so many little tricks and tools that you that you get when you co-write and collaborate. And I think it's important to be open to learning and growing because it just, it makes you better um, for sure. So, yeah, I would say I've as I've gotten older and worked with people, I like I've, I've gotten a better sense of what I like 
yeah. and what, what sounds good on my voice. And I've gotten better at being like, that won't sound good on my voice. Like I have a very soft voice. Um, and I've, you know, I'm not going to sit there and like scream and belt something like someone else might be able to. And like, I've gotten really comfortable being like that. That's not like what I do. Like I'm kind of a softer singer, so I won't be doing that, yeah. you know, even though, you know, it might sound good on someone else's voice. So I think that's good. It's comforting. What is the, the songwriting look with, look like with the, the shy honey project and like, how did, how did maybe the songwriting shift, like starting that project and yeah. like what even sparked you to, to want to like go down that road of, of creating kind of this moniker for what you're doing? Yeah. You know, I think like, like I was telling you when I first got here, like, I feel like a cat, like I've lived nine lives, you know, and I went through sort of a complete life reset. Um, and you know, got a divorce, moved up here by myself, like lived alone. Um, and I just felt like not saying like as a, like I might do another solo project at some time, but I just felt like it was time to do something new. And sometimes like when you like start over, you're like, I just want to like leave that person in the past and like do something different. And I was like, like just listening to like a lot of pop music like 80s pop, 90s pop, current pop. I mean, like I love like the early 2000s pop too. Like I just, I'm such a, I'd say like a pop fan. And so I went to an artist, uh, like a writing camp for artists. And I was collaborating with some people and we were working on sync tracks for, you know, like placements. And so, um, and we were writing pop and I'm like, geez, I really like this. I'm really enjoying this. And I'd never really like let myself write pop because yeah. I was writing such like poetry. <laughs> oh, like I'm an English major. Like I went to U of O for English. So like. Oh, so you were, you were yeah. probably really overanalyzing oh, like the lyrics that you were putting out I, as far as when you were talking about like diving into the metaphors dude. and trying to be pretty mystical with things. And it's like, if you have like an, like if your whole downstairs is full of like treadmills and like stair steppers and weights, and then you realize like there's a park like down the street and you should just go like run. And then like, <laughs> it's like, okay, you don't need to be so crafty with lyrics. Like sometimes just a simple rhyme with like a good hook is like going to move the entire country. Yeah. And then you have like hit me baby one more time, you know, like yeah. it doesn't need to be like, like poetry, like figurative language and like this symphonic, beautiful, you know, like this narrative and the story. It's like, it can just be like a great feeling and some cool words that sound good together, you know, over yeah. like a cool beat, like go figure, you know? So, um, we were working on things and it just felt so freeing, like, honestly, it wasn't like this, a soul sucking experience of any sort where you're like, oh. I'm kind of just trying to write this thing for this specific yeah. sink sinking music. And yes, yes, absolutely. And I mean, I was also in like, what's funny is like I had, I was at U of O I majored in English and then, you know, I went to grad school for, you know, teaching high school. So I'm a high school English teacher on the side. So that's why Isabeau and I are close friends, you know, too, because like we both share that. And um, I went, um, and so I was just really heady. I, I say all that, just like I was really heady, like into writing, into words, like into composing, you know, great sentences that phonetically sounded good. And then it's like you write pop and you just have to ditch that and just like feel it and write like something cool that 
feels good and sounds good. And so that was just very freeing. So like in my life 2.0, it was like, wow, like pop music is dope. Why did I not do this sooner? <laughs> you know? And, um, I was right. There's some great people in town that do pop and was able to connect with them. Like Troy Wellstad, I know, you know, um, worked on like, you know, the Hillary Duff tour, a fine frenzy. He played keys for pink and he's in town, a producer. So I was working with him a lot. And, um, some other people in town too. And, and I just was like, gosh, this is such a great feeling that I'm having making this music. I want to keep going. Yeah. And so I just sort of like had this track and I'm like, I think I want to start a project around this track, you know? Yeah. And that's how it started. Are you also just somebody that like really benefits from things like writing camps or song writing exercises? Oh my gosh. Yes. I am such a like summer camp nerd. I'm like, I just want to go with my friends in a cabin and like eat, like, like eat marshmallows and s'mores and like talk about boys and girls and like, <laughs> like, and like write songs and make crafts and yeah. like <laughs> go swimming. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just very much my personality. Um, so yeah, art camp, like I've done many art camps and that's how mastermind with, um, Nocila and new body electric, um, started. We, we wrote that at an art camp. Love that track. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, so many great songs I think that I've been a part of have come out of collaborative like yeah. camps. And that's really where shy honey was born was I think for me, like that, like the mustard seed sort of like started there. Yeah. Yeah. Does a lot of that stuff come together like pretty quickly too when you're it in does. those types one of environments? Day. One day. Does that surprise you like what you're able to get done under like time constraints? Man, it's so, yeah, it's really cool. Like it feels like, man, when you're so devoted to like a cause, like we have to get this song done. And yeah, sure, you're going to go back and redo vocals and you're going to track yeah. more guitars or like, you know, you're going to do some like, um, you know, drum patches and then go back and do drum, you know, like whatever you do, but you're going to have a song at the end of the day from start to finish, like fully written, like that challenge. And then seeing it, you know, and listening to it at the end, like it's such a, such a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. How did it maybe change like what you do when you're putting together maybe like the bones of a song when mm. you're creating music like this? Like, does everything still kind of happen on the keys for you or are you sometimes writing to a drum loop or like have you gotten pretty into working with software on your own when yeah. you're not collaborating with people yes yeah, so i it, it can happen a lot of different ways i use pro tools i have my own setup at home my own little studio um, I use Pro Tools. I started, when I lived in Nashville, I actually uh, learned Pro Tools there and was comping my own vocals then. And I just sort of got into, um, you know, production with this Shy Honey stuff. Like I would say, I definitely have started, you know, full, like Stay, the song um, by Shy Honey called Stay. I started, wrote that on piano, then um, produced a lot of the drums and like the bass and then collaborated with a friend of mine on um, a lot of the other parts and then Matt um, laid down a solo. So like it, that one started on piano, but then a lot of times there'll just be a loop and then like you'll write yeah. to the loop. And it's really interesting with pop. I think there's like, you could literally sample you playing a beat on like a pencil on the desk and then you just loop that and then you, you know, have a MIDI controller and then you have a sound and then you just loop that. And all of a sudden you've got like, a loop and then you write to it. I mean, it can like pop is so flexible and that's what I think I like it. Um, 
you know, it's, it's not, it's not on some grid. It's actually, you can, I mean, you can go on splice, you can find some sound on there that you like. And I mean, you could take a baby cry on splice, reverse it, put it on a you know, on the grid and find some BPM that you like and speed it up. And all of a sudden you've got like a dance track and like, I mean, you can, you can do so much these days, honestly, you can manipulate so much. Um, and I think that's why I really like pop because it kind of actually is more freedom than I think. Yeah. Seems like it attributes you know. to that, that freedom that you yeah, enjoy. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's like maybe challenged you to, to like get into more of those spaces as far as like creating within software and not just on instruments. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I think it, it really has been um, such a cool like, you know, like I said, life 2.0 pivot. Um, cause I was really into like piano and then like live strings and like doing everything live. And now we do tracks and like we do ears and we're, you know, like it's very different than how I started, Yeah, but it's cool. Like, I think you need that sometimes you need to just like turn everything upside down and like open up that really messy closet, let everything fall out onto the floor and then like take the things that you want to keep and put them back in the closet and then like throw <laughs> everything else away, you know? Like, yeah. So that's kind of what I did. Yeah, for sure. You're still that kid, like staying up late at night, totally. writing songs. 100%. Just can't stop creating. I think I'm going to start a, a solo piano project next, just only instrumentals um, and like do a little Spotify channel, like chill piano. Um, just because I've kind of been, I got a new, uh, well, it's an old Wurlitzer piano, but I put, I felted it. And so I think I'm going to like try to do some kind of like vibey chill piano channel next. So yeah, I'm always like trying to not stay in the same place, like keep pushing forward and doing new things so I don't get bored. Yeah. (laughs) What's the experience been trying to write music for like getting sync stuff specifically? It's tough. I mean, that, that world is really difficult. Um, you know, I, I think I've, I've dabbled in it. I wouldn't say by any means I'm like pursuing that heart. Like I, I have some, my songs with several, um, companies and like one in town and then a couple other places. And I've had, you know, I had reckless synced on young and the restless. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) And then, um, a sidewalks by shy honey just got a sync, um, on an apple, TV documentary. Um, and then I've had up other couple little things, but you know, a lot of people have like things like all the time because they're yeah. just working towards that. So I would say I'm like, you know, sort of like a casual sync. Like I, I don't go after it, but, um, I've tried my hand and have had a little success, but not like a ton. I would imagine too, like when that happens, you're like trying to figure out like what, yes. what happened there? Like, <laughs> yes. Is there a formula <laughs> to make this happen? I mean, dude, I don't know. I mean, you have to imagine like the the videographer, like the editor, they have a vibe in mind too, you know? Yeah. So you're hoping to capture their vibe or like, you know, sometimes it's about the energy of the scene with those specific actors. I mean, I don't know. I think it's an art in, in and of itself, which is why like those sync libraries are so full of so, so many different vibes and moods. You know, and so if you just happen to strike the right mood with your song at the right time of the yeah. right day, you know, like, you know, but there are people who just do sync, you know, and, for sure. And they, was, they kill it. I so. was just talking to Farnell Newton, like yeah. a legend of the Portland music scene. And that's kind of like what he's been doing the last few years. And he's kind of, it seems like he's, 
he's kind of tapped into something that Dude. that really works or he's just uh figured out at least figured out a way for it to be very fun cool. while creating music that is is marketable for licensing and gosh that's amazing yeah i mean it's definitely i i'm always down to try you know if i get the opportunity or like i always throw my name in the hat but you never know i mean it's just kind of about what what the scene calls for yeah the, the ad or the show or whatever that's cool though you get to see like your your song in like some classic show like the young and the restless like this trashy soap opera that's amazing well i also loved it because it's like the young and the restless and it was reckless yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay that's very sim like <laughs> like yeah i mean it was it was really fun yeah it was a couple a couple different episodes too we were like the song playing in the club or something like that i need to go find it um I think my drummer, he found it and was like, whoa, there, you know, find it for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. (laughs) I should ask him to send it, but yeah, I guess. Yeah. You got to make like a reel. I know I should. I really should. (laughs) Dang. Shy honey as heard on young and the restless coming to a town near you. Dude, That should be the promo for like all of your shows forever. I I know. I I know. I'm so bad. That's actually Dan. That's actually one thing. I'm so bad at, um, at social media stuff. Like that's what I'm sure so many artists say, but I really am bad at it. Like terrible. Yeah. It's, I mean, it kind of sucks that it has to be this big aspect of it now. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have like some social media guru Mm -hmm. behind you, or Mm -hmm. if you don't enjoy doing it yourself Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. that it can like maybe set you back, but also it's probably also good that you don't, I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe you don't put so much time into that stuff, and yeah. then you're you're, uh, you're actually creating things yeah. that aren't in your Instagram grid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> and you're not off making Tuna Boy videos. <laughs> I know. No, I you know? love it. I love your Tuna Boy videos. I mean, yeah. Maybe I always think like I always say like maybe someday I'll get into like social media stuff and like really hit it hard. There's these little moments where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it, and then I'll like. I'll like post something or like for a while I was trying to like in 2022 during the pandemic or like, you know, tail end yet it was still going on. I don't know. Anyway, that like, you know, the vortex of, of the pandemic, I was trying to do like TikTok videos and was trying to do like the layered vocal thing. And I did a few of those and they just took so long. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I could do much more of this. <laughs> like this takes so long. Cause I was, I was doing it on pro tools. I was editing it. And then I was like, you know, trying to make it sound good and, and then the video yeah so i'm like i don't know if i could totally commit to doing that but maybe someday who knows yeah and then you're you're chasing likes on the thing and then maybe like one video hits and just like the the sinking thing then you're like trying to figure out like what why Why? did that happen yeah why this one yeah i yeah i don't know yeah i don't i'm just i i don't chase it right now i i dabble every now and then i'll throw something up but it's yeah. definitely not what makes me t- I think that goes along with the performing thing like I don't actually like love that and I think those two things kind of go hand in hand yeah. like some people really love performing and being in front of the camera I, I don't like love that so we all kind of find the thing that makes us tick what about like crafting the live show itself like as far as the rehearsals and like creating this thing that that seems very like fine-tuned do you enjoy yeah. that part of it and I like the I discipline do. that goes into doing it. I do really like rehearsing. I love thinking about this show and like planning it and like the set list and the, and the flow of things like all yeah. of that's really fun. 
And then the actual show day, I'm almost like a wreck. And then I'm like, God, like I, you know, I don't get any sleep the night before yeah. and I don't know what I'm going to wear. And then like, yeah, it's just like this whole thing. It, like you have to shift gears. Like, okay, yeah. now I'm out of like creative mode and I have to like perform. Um, but I think if I did it more, I'd, you know, like maybe it would become like second nature. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. It's hard to get reps in when you're not like doing yeah. it like once a week, even yeah, or... like if you're not practicing your free throws, you're not going to make very many free throws. <laughs> <laughs> you're you just know? coming off stage wondering if it was good. Yes. And we're all like, Ada, it oh, was fucking great. You're thank great. You. Oh, thank you. You're so nice. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, yeah, I, I should probably do it more, but for the, for now, I mean, nothing's changed so far, so, but maybe someday it will, like maybe somebody I'll want to play more, but yeah. I don't know. I think it's also hard to play a bunch in the city that mm -hmm. you live in too. No, for sure. Where it seems like, sure. you know, you're, you're playing in a way where your full band live shows are, are pretty spread out. And I think that gives yeah. people a reason to hopefully show up most of the time. Yeah. Cause I don't know, even my favorite band in Portland, if they're playing every single month, I'm not going to go every time probably, of course. even if I want to. No, you're so right. You're so right. Cause it's just like, I don't know. Was here three weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there's that thing like, well, they play all the time, so I'll just catch them next time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to figure out draw that way. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, good. See, this was all intentional then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, especially like with the 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 pop music that you are playing. Like, I, I think it's probably important that you're doing that in a in a venue that sounds really good. Like, yeah. Shy Honey isn't going to benefit from the the gritty like landmark saloon or like totally. DIY club in in Portland. One hundred. Yeah. No, you're so right. Yeah, because we we do kind of bring like a beast of a in-ear system and like it, I mean you can do it on smaller speakers and stuff it's just it's much it's gonna sound better it's gonna like you know translate better on you know on some of those larger venues you know some of those larger venues so I think like yeah just sort of picking those larger moments rather than playing all the time yeah is better yeah but there hasn't been uh this big like switch moment for you where you're like I love performing like I love doing the live show never never in my entire life and I've probably I mean I've played thousands of gigs like solo gigs band gigs I re you know what's funny is like my favorite times I've ever performed I've been in an ensemble or a group where I so I think anytime I'm not like the main person I enjoy it more yeah like when you get to play keys with Hannah or totally. something because you're just like up there doing totally. the thing you're a part of the ensemble 100 or if I get to sing BGVs for like my friends band or something like I've done that where I've sung backing vocals for people I love that yeah enjoy the heck out of it or the choir the choir, choir. situation love choir. love it until you have to solo yes <laughs> yes it's true I don't know why but I don't mind singing in the studio. Like I love doing like vocal days are like my favorite. Like I love that. I love singing vocals like on my, like I pretty much on, like will only record my voice now in my setup cause I've got it so dialed and I love that. Like yeah. I really, I would, I could do that for hours. I'm assuming that also just like gives you kind of infinite runs at it too. If when you, when you kind of get to do yeah. it on your own, you can take as many exactly. takes as you want. Exactly. Yeah. And like I can, yeah, and I can edit it a certain way and I can just sit there and repunch things and try like, you know, I'll get like my playlist on my vocal takes. Like I'll get like 17, you know, things going. I'll like pick the, that one word or that one phrase that I like the best. You know, I can be like, I can geek out on that. And yeah. um, so I love that. It's not necessarily like the singing part. It's really just, I think it's like, 
the performance piece for me is never, that's probably why I quit basketball <laughs> when I was a junior <laughs> because I'm like thinking back to like how I get so nervous for game days and like I finally was like, I just shouldn't be an athlete. This is not worth the stress. I get so nervous when I shoot the ball. Yeah. <laughs> like if I miss, everyone's going to think I'm terrible. And I think that same mentality like follows me to the stage. Like if I screw this up, everybody's going to laugh at me. I don't know. I just got that like, see shy honey. It's all in there. Full circle. Well, at least that self-doubt doesn't seem to exist in all facets of it though. It's just kind of like the the live performance part of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, man. That's why I'm in therapy on Wednesdays. I'm unpacking all this. <laughs> Wednesday's my therapy day. <laughs> we, 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 I'm still untying those knots. I don't know why. <laughs> is it pretty easy for you to like turn it on though when it is like vocal day? Yeah. You switch into that mode. It doesn't like take yeah. a whole lot from you. You don't need to like yeah. go meditate in the corner for an hour or like no. you, you just can just kind of go in and, and knock it out. Yeah. Vocal days like. Like in the studio, yeah, I mean, like I, I get pretty jazzed about it. I get pumped up. I'm excited. Performance days, you know, I get a little more zen, like maybe a little bit more like an athlete where I'm like really in my head. I'm thinking it through. I'm like drinking tea, like I'm, you know, maybe not like eating a bunch before. Like I'm yeah. really trying to like, um, you know, take it seriously. And, you know, I think it's just this perfectionist thing in me. Like I'm a perfectionist. And now you're making pop music, and which is like yeah. kind of, you know, historically this, this music that's pretty perfect in it a lot is. of ways. It, exactly. Right. And oh. so, yeah. And I mean, like, it's not, um, it's not something that like, if you make a little mistake on stage, it's not a huge deal, but I think in the type of pop music I make, it's more noticeable. Yeah, absolutely. Like you don't get the same leeway that like a punk band does Mm -mm. when you're doing it that way. Yeah. And we're all like locked into a grid on, you know, in Ableton and like it's a whole playlist is a whole set. Like, you you know, so you can't just like, let's take that intro again. Like, nope, you're already on verse one. Like (laughs) you can't (laughs) like the track is going. So, yeah, I think there's just like a lot of lot more pressure. Yeah. But you're like reminding yourself all day that you prepared for this yes. you're like, I worked at this. I'm, yes. I'm going to be fine. This is it. Somebody Don't get tell scared me now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like Kevin McAllister before like the, the, the band, the wet bandits come to the house at Christmas <laughs> Eve, like got it all prepared. <laughs> what about like when you're releasing music into the world? Is there anything scary about that to you? You know, more now than I think, just like when we were talking about like, you know, your tastes kind of evolve and change and grow and so do other people's tastes, you know? So I think there's always that feeling of, you know, are are people going to like this? Are they going to accept this? Like, are they going to think this is good? Again, I mean, I don't know if Portland has a huge like pop audience here. So there's also that, but I don't know if I'm necessarily like catering this music necessarily to the city, even though I love this city and like. This is my hometown, but, um, but anybody can listen to anybody it can listen to music all anywhere. Over the world. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, I'm a little nervous about it, but I think I'm kind of more excited than nervous about releasing music these days. So I think I like the release process and, um, yeah, I think I, it's, it doesn't bother me or like, you know, weigh me down as much as performing does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another thing too, is like, I think, you know, people don't care as much as you think they do. Yeah. Just reminding you, like, we're all kind of 
starring in our own little movie in our head and like like we're n- people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are say that again kind of i need to hear sad, it all the time kind of sad <laughs> and also re- like freeing maybe like liberating like i think i have to remind myself that like when i'm like doing something that i think everyone's looking at like probably no one's looking at it you know which is good you know because means you can kind of be yourself and 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 I think people are also rooting for you like I think most people in the audience want you to do well like they're there like you've got this like yeah. we're here for you and reminding yourself that like they're not sitting there like you're gonna mess up we don't want to listen to you like you think they are but like as an audience member myself <sighs> I'm not looking at the stage like I hope this band sucks. Like I'm in, I'm in the audience. Like I hope this band is rad, you know, and I do not want to watch this person bomb. Yes. Like I'm here for it. Like I'm here for them. Um, so I think just remembering that like most, you know, nine out of 10 people are, they're really rooting for you. Like they want you to do well. So I try to remind myself of that. Yeah. Well, going back to what I was talking about at the top of the conversation, when I was praising your live show, I think there is, uh, you know, thinking about how the audience wants, like wants you to do well. I think there's also maybe some relief in the audience sometimes when you immediately see someone on stage that you feel like has their, their shit together. And Mm. it does feel like really fine tuned where you're like, Oh, I just trust this person Mm. to like do their thing. And I think that's the feeling I have when I'm watching you is like, like, Oh yeah, she's not going to fuck this up. And even if you do, like, I think it's probably pretty like well hidden, even if everything is happening on the grid or like if something doesn't go as perfect as you wanted it to, I think like you, you present it in a way where I think the audience trusts you to do your thing or feels like you're in control and you can like really, I, I think you can really feel it when it goes the other way for sure. somebody. Yeah. And you, can, yeah. you get nervous as the audience sure. member and you're like, yes. I don't know if they know what breathe. they're, I don't know if they know what they're doing. I don't yes. like, and yes. maybe they're just having a bad show yes. where like, I yes. feel like yes. they really can't get it out of their head that their, their pedal isn't working the oh, way it's supposed man. to or, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. We had something happen at Holocene uh, one time where just, you know, like I said, we're, we're running, um, we're, we're doing our stuff through like Ableton Live and like for whatever reason, Ableton crashed. The nice thing about when that happens is at the end of the day, we're all musicians. Yeah. So like we just played the song without the tracks and like that works too. Like, so if all hell, you know, breaks loose, you can still just play your song and like it's gonna it's cool sometimes it's cooler like like what's weird is when that happened I think it was sort of a moment where I'm like actually I'm kind of glad that happened because we sort of just did the song without the tracks and played it without a click and it was actually kind of cool and better maybe in that moment and I was able to just be like all right we're just gonna ditch the laptop and play the song and you know that was kind of fun too so I think at, at the end of the day like if if you, you know, believe in your song and you, and you come, you show up to the game and you're practiced yeah. and you do, and like, yeah, all hell breaks loose. Like you can still, you know, you can still play a song. Like I, like if everything went out, I can still sing a song on the piano. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've played so many winery solo gigs in my life to where I could sit there and play and sing three hours of music right now. Yeah. So like if, 
for some reason they're like, yeah, like your band didn't show up and all you have is your key, you know, your keyboard and your vocal mic as much as it would completely give me so much trepidation. I know I could sit there and play a set by myself. Like, do I want to do that? No, but I could, you know, like <laughs> you're practiced. That, yeah. Like I, exactly. So it's like when all the tech stuff and everything goes bad, like all the tech stuff like gives out, like, you know, it's still, you're a musician, you can do it. Like, yeah. yeah. Was that the Holocene show that you played at Babers? Do you know? It was with, um, it was either the Leo Islo one or Babers. I'm trying to think of what I was wearing. I'm trying to think of what I was wearing in the photo. I think it Were was. Were you a, jump, a jumpsuit? I always wear a jumpsuit, but like which color was it? Mm. Um, it might have been the one with that I that I did with Nocila and Leo Islo. Okay. Um, I was only curious because the, the Baber show at Holocene with Kerrigold was the yeah. first time I yeah. saw you play live. Yeah. And if it was that show, I obviously, <laughs> I was you know just what? like, no, this is fucking great. I like, don't it's think really it was tight. that one. Then I think it was the other one. Either way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's <laughs> Anna doesn't miss everybody at um, the live show. The Shy Honey show is, is so good and you should go see it thank you, the Dan. next time it's around. That's so sweet. Especially if you, if you love pop music as much as Anna does. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's very pop forward. <laughs> <laughs> How important have uh, the roles of producers been to your songwriting? within making this type of music and like what do you feel like different producers maybe like reveal in your songwriting mm. wow that's a great question I mean really the only producers on the Shy Honey project have been Troy Wellstad, Eric Macias and myself um, and then Matt Salinas my partner he has you know worked a lot on stuff as well. So just a really small group of us. Um, Johnny, who plays electric has, you know, definitely played on stuff too. Yeah. Um, Johnny McCormick shout out, but it's, but just keeping it in that kind of small friend group, I feel like I've kind of been able to craft the sound that I want, which is, you know, synthy, a little nostalgic, super poppy. And it's, I think it's been important to keep it in that that group so we can kind of maintain that integrity of the sound that I kind of want. Yeah. Sure. You can, you know, work with other people. I, I like, you know, I, I don't know if I'll never work with someone else. I hope I get to, you know, work with other people, but just sort of like, you know, we started just before the pandemic. So we're a relatively new project, I think, because the pandemic doesn't count, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> we all push pause in our life for yeah. a minute. Um, so yeah, so I think like, it's been important to kind of keep it in that circle just because I think we're getting to know like, what is Cheyenne? Like, what is the sound? And like, what should these songs feel like and sound like? And, you know, it takes a while to figure that out. Like we've definitely written stuff and 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 produced things that have not been released because yeah. they're not right. Like it's like, this is, good but it's like not you know not what I want it to be and so we don't release those you know and you can kind of hear that mm -hmm. right away and yeah. you're like nope For this sure. isn't it there's a song that has three modulations in it like I key changed three times and I thought it would be so dope and then like I listened back I was like nope this is not dope <laughs> this is dumb like <laughs> <laughs> do you find that that part of the process to be like really frustrating or do you think it's um 
just kind of necessary and you you've like grown to appreciate being able to discern I think you know I think I appreciate I think it's what you have to do I think you have to get a lot of songs out of the way like get the bad stuff out so you can get to the good stuff and I think you just have to write some things that you're I mean you know you think they're really good and then you kind of come around the like no no, or like you listen back the next day, you're like, no, this is not, this is not what I wanted. So I think you have to do that though. So you can, you know, hone in on what you do like and what you do want to release. And I think, I think I'm still getting there. Like I, like, you know, we only have like nine or 10 songs that we've released, um, singles. And so this next single that I'm going to release, I think that that song is the most like closest I've gotten to what I want this project to sound like. And it's going to be really soon. But yeah, that, so I think it's just been a journey, like getting there. Like you sort of like have to go through the weeds a little bit. Yeah. And I would imagine with that, that new song, then if you're like feeling that one, that kind of sets a whole new bar Mm -hmm. for the next stuff. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well Mm -hmm. now it's got to be always at least this good or like give me this sort of feeling to be put out into the world. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, and this that one was a little more like um, it's a little moodier and darker, and I think like it, it it hits on some of those things that maybe I've been afraid to talk about from my life 1.0. So, <laughs> uh, which is good. Like I think we're we're sort of there. Like I think it's time to start maybe talking about some sad things. So yeah, yeah. Does it feel different to talk about sad things in this like kind of upbeat pop music opposed to when you were doing maybe more folky singer songwriter stuff? Yeah, I think that is the juxtaposition that I've been looking for is like, you know, cause like I said, I kind of like a softer kind of like, you know, lighter voice and marrying that with some sort of heavier, sadder themes. And like this next single has like some darker tones and darker textures is like the right balance, you know, cause I don't think like mixing like a sweet light voice with like bubblegum pop is the right move for me just personally. Like it doesn't necessarily reflect what I want to say. Yeah. So, um, I think we're, we're getting there. Yeah. With this next one. Uh, when you're doing maybe like these, these one-off songs where you're getting in the room with like a group of people and collaborating on something, do you feel like your personal creative approach is, is a lot different in those types of settings or does it feel similar to when you're doing it on your own or working with your, your regular group of people? Yeah. Like when I'm collaborating versus like solo writing. Yeah. yeah I mean, gosh, I've done so many, I, I feel like I've done so many different co-writes so many different ways. Like if I come in with like an idea already started, then I think we're all sort of like chasing that. If we come in like blank slate, then I think we're all in it together. Like we're building this thing. We're raising this baby from, from a baby to an adult together throughout the day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, we're nurturing this along. Yeah. I just think it depends. Like, I don't think there's any one way I've done it so many different ways. Like, I don't know, like a lot of times I'll just like have a start, you know, or maybe, maybe one of like my friends will be like, I have this vibe. I have this track, you know, what what would you sing over this? Like I've done it that way too, which is like top lining. Yeah. I've done it a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anna. I feel like we have caught up to like where we're at present day, you know? 
walk through the the music journey. I know a big part of your your life recently has been working on this musical project. Yeah. Talk to me about like yeah, give me the rundown. My goodness. I, I've I've paid attention via via social media of <sighs> kind of what you've been doing with this, but explain what this project is and like your your role in it. Dude, it's nuts. So eight years ago, my good friend Evan Hollins, um, she met this woman who had this crazy story. And her daughter, this woman's daughter, was Evan's vocal student. And Evan proceeds to tell me this story about this woman. And, you know, I'll, I'll get into that in just a second. But, and it's just blowing my mind, this lady's story. And she's like, I want to make this a musical. And I was like, okay. And she's like, would you write the music for it? And I was like, I don't know anything about musicals. <laughs> I was like, I've never been in a musical. I don't like theater. <laughs> like, I, don't want, I definitely don't want to perform. Yeah. <laughs> like I was in choir. I was never in theater. So, you know, like I was a band kid. Like I was like, I was making fun of the actors, you know, at the high school. Like, I mean, seriously, like I didn't know anything about theater and I was like, sure, sure, sure. You know, I, I, I'll be a part of it, but like, I don't, you know, and she was like, no, that's what I want. Like, I want it to be singer songwriter. Like I want all the songs. So I was like, okay. So Evan and I started on this journey eight years ago, writing this, this, um, show about this woman and her story, um, local woman in Eugene. Um, and then fast forward, we, um, part of the story takes place in Guatemala and we always knew like you know, we were going to need, um, more people on our team, um, to write the songs for the story that takes part in Guatemala. I'm going to kind of be writing the stuff that takes place in Oregon. And then, you know, so lo and behold, we connect with Gabby Moreno, who's, you know, this Latin Grammy winning singer songwriter. Um, she also wrote the theme song for Parks and Rec. Nice. Shout out. That's it. <laughs> she got paid. <laughs> That's what out. that means. Dude, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, she's a beautiful singer songwriter. And then we connected with our drop, like, so our dramaturg for the show became another book writer. So Evan and, Evan and Rebecca Trino Collinsworth are writing the script slash book. Gabby Moreno and I are writing the music. So the whole premise of the story, I'll try to keep it very short. A woman in Oregon, this is a true story, she flees a religious cult. So if you like those cult documentaries, right? She flees a religious cult, ends up um, in Guatemala on a teaching job, falls in love with a dance teacher there. She was told her whole life she could never be pregnant. So um, she ends up getting pregnant with um, this this salsa teacher's um, you know baby. And she goes into labor early and they have to cut her open with no anesthesia. So it's like very intense and very, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of drama, very, I mean, there's a lot of kind of like trigger warnings involved. Um, the girl that she births in like, you know, she has this like C-section without anesthesia is the star of our show. She sings her, she is herself in the show. She sings like an angel. She goes to like UC Denver. And so this musical that we're writing just got selected for the NAMPT you know, musical theater festival in New York city as one of the eight musicals to showcase as a new work, you know, in the U S like there was like over 600 submissions and ours got selected. So that's kind of where it is right now. Yeah. 
So you were definitely not envisioning that when you started this project eight years ago. <laughs> I, you know, I really didn't know. I thought like, I'll be a part of this. And like, I am happy, like, again, like I love music. I love writing. I'm, this is a new world for me. I, I'm happy to learn, you know, and you know, all jokes aside about theater, I am like such a theater fan now. I am a huge, I am like in awe of, of the musical theater actors that like I got to meet in New York this last month. I cannot believe how dedicated they are, how talented they are. Like, it's been such an amazing, humbling experience to be a part of this. Yeah. I mean, we had Broadway actors in our show, you know, like, it, it, like, totally, like, Kurt Crowley was our music director for the film, for the, sorry, for the music festival. And he is the musical director for Hamilton right now. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've just had, and then like the guitar player was who was in our band for the for the festival. He helped develop Dear Evan Hansen, which is like you know, a major show. So like, yeah, I'm just in, uh, very humbled and and excited about this this project and where it's taken us. Like I said, I started out not not knowing anything, but I've learned quite a bit as I have gone and yeah. So yeah, so like when you went to New York this this recent trip, yeah. And you're, watching this all unfold like what is your role at that point or are you kind of just observing and, and seeing how the music is playing in real life or yeah so we were very much a part of the the process I mean we're working with the actors on how they should sing it and you know what's the how sh what is that how should they phrase that word and like how did I want it to be sung and you know Gabby's working you know with inflection and dialect and we're very much we were very much a part of the process you know because it's still a show in development and so we're still kind yeah. of even learning from the actors that are singing back what we've written and or and then we'd maybe like tweak things or like tweak melodies as, as we go so it's been it, yeah it's it's in development, so like you're very much a part of the the rehearsal process. Constantly making tweaks. Yeah, and they're asking able. us, "Is this what you mean?" You know, and like, "This what you wanted?" Or like, yeah. you know, "Is this the like even energy? Like, is this how you want this song?" And yeah, all of that. You feel like that's working like a completely different creative muscle for you, or like filling something completely different than you've experienced ever in maybe writing songs that you were going to perform. You know, different in that, you know, it's a different discipline, I think, but similar in that, you know, when you're singing a song, you're trying to connect with the audience, convey emotion. And I think when you're working with actors who are, you know, trying to tell a story, like you're, you're helping them with what you wrote. I mean, that's essentially what music is, right? So um, similar, but yeah, different in that, like, they're also, yeah, they're also playing a character, yeah. and, you know, and... They might not be them. They might not be in their own psyche at that moment, which is really crazy to see. Like they're channeling something else, and you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's nuts, man. Like they those those actors are so talented when they get to that level. It's mind blowing. Yeah, is it weird writing music that is not for you? You know, yeah. Like I, that was a new thing for me. Like writing. I mean, and since then, I've actually gotten to write songs with others for others. But that was maybe my first kind of big, you know, sort of like, okay, I'm writing this for specifically for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And you're kind of writing outside of your own point of view. I would have, I would imagine for totally. this and type of project. And out of my own style, like you know, like. I don't necessarily sing big, huge, soaring ballads, but I'm writing them. Yeah, you can't just like apply 
what you usually do, I would assume. Yeah, like I'm not, like when I write for myself, I'm like very like insular and like I'm singing very softly. And like when you're writing for theater, like you're, you're writing huge soaring notes and like you're doing huge jumps and melody and octave jumps and like, you know, you're really trying to create drama with the melody. So it's like, you know, when, when I do songs for me, I don't, there's like very little melody drama, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's all very like simple and like, so yeah, it it was cool. Like I, I I think I am channeling maybe like hearkening back to like my choir days, like when I was (laughs) singing much more, you know, like show choir songs or something, but yeah, I, yeah, it's been such a fun process. Like, and I, and I think it's really confirmed that like in my heart of hearts, I, I truly am like, I am like my, my best self when I'm songwriting. Like that is what I am as an artist. Like that is what I do best. That is what I want to do. Like I want to songwrite. And so when I'm doing that, I'm like, yes, this is what I want to do. Yeah. You know, whereas I'm performing, I'm like, I'm not so good at this. <laughs> like I don't feel good in that, you know, like, but the challenge of this whole new thing, like yes, feels I, good. I and- loved it. Yeah. It's like, I would, I would love to do more of that. So so do you not really know if you have something right then until you get to see someone perform it? Or like, how do you put these things into practice? Like when you're talking about like, I don't do like these belty ballads, but do you kind of have to yeah. work them out on your own to see how they work? So usually like I'll start, you know, like I'll start the song and I'll demo it. And then what's very great is Evan, who's the book writer, is also a very seasoned musical theater actress and she is an amazing vocalist. She's been in a show on Broadway. So she typically, um, will sing it through like with me, like I'll have her sing it down. Um, or her husband, Peter is also, you know, very, you know, like a classical singer. Um, so, you know, you can kind of schmuck check your song and make sure it holds water, (laughs) you know, but I can usually tell, you know, like I can usually tell after I write it, if it's going to be, you know, too, you know, like, too much of a jump or like, but I mean, all the songs, honestly, Dan, they're, they're like pop ballads or pop. I mean, they're all pop singer, songwriter, pop songs. Like that was really the, the goal of the show was to kind of try to write like a greatest showman or like a dear Evan Hansen or a waitress style show where like each of the songs can kind of hold water on their own as like a single. Yeah. You're not doing some phantom of the opera. No. Yeah. We're not exactly. (laughs) Or like Les Miserables or something like each song should stand on its own feel like you could stream it on Spotify and like that's, and that's really kind of what we were after. So it hasn't been too bad as far as like trying to see if, if the songs work, like we kind of know if they will, you yeah. know, and not all the songs we've written, Gabby and I have made it to the show. Like we'll write stuff and then throw it away and write something else. You feel like it's infected your, your own writing process a bit? No, not at all. I mean like, cause we're definitely tr- telling that specific story and yeah. Um, I don't have a musical theater voice really. I mean, I can sure like we can all, you know, try to sing gravity, you know, from wicked, like in our (laughs) own way, but like, I don't typically like, you know, have, I don't bend that way necessarily. Like that's not my thing. Um, so I, I wouldn't say it's affected my own personal writing and I can kind of keep the lines clear, which is interesting. Like I know kind of like what I'm doing, like when I'm writing musical theater versus, writing for myself. Was it a pretty big challenge to kind of write outside of your point of view and be 
just kind of like working on this other person's and figure like figuring out how to tell someone else's story like do you feel like that is something maybe that transfers over so in the in the future it's like, so challenging honestly the most challenging part is like you're you have to move the story forward every single line you sing you're telling uh, you're telling you a meander. story yeah you can't just talk about a feeling you have to move the sequence of events forward you can't so you have can't some just throwaway sit, line. That you can't just be like, I feel this. I feel this. It's like, I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. Oh, this is I'm, where I'm going yeah. next. Like, and you can't say this is where I'm going next, but like, yeah, essentially every song, every line is pushing the story forward and you're, you know, you want to show, not tell. So you're also like trying to do that, emo, you know, through emotion and conveying through metaphor, but not, not too much of a metaphor so you don't lose the audience like now they don't know what's happening going back into (laughs) Anna's poetry mode yeah anyway it's been a good challenge (laughs) yeah that sounds exciting sounds Mm -hmm. like something completely new and also just like to see that it's maybe catching some fire and you are like working with some heavy hitters in the yeah in the you know Broadway world very yeah it was a very big deal we got selected I mean I'll be honest like I and I didn't think it would happen and because we made it down like we, we got told we we're like in the top 24 and then I was like oh there's no way you know there's so many submissions and then we got told we we're in like the top 12 and then when we were in New York doing a reading that's where we kind of like found out I think that we were like that we made it into the top eight select like we were going to showcase yeah. and once you're in the festival you're in the festival it's not like the top, there's like a winner. It's like all eight shows that were selected just get to, you know, be featured. And it's for industry professionals essentially come and, and watch. And then they decide like, maybe they'd want to put your show on at their theater. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty fun, fun deal. And you're a part of somebody's like very significant life story. Yeah. Very significant. Very, I can't wait till I can show you more, um, or tell you more, but yeah, it's the, the story itself is, is insane. Like it could be a Dateline NBC episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And to close out, what do you think you have obviously consistently found ways to find time and created space for you to create and express yourself? what do you think keeps bringing you back to creation and and songwriting man that's such a great question i think i think it's like what do what do i turn to just naturally when i'm feeling something and it's the piano like it's in my office where i work and i just will sit there sometimes and play just sit down and just play and like i think that's what keeps me going is like just making music like for the sake of making music like it doesn't have to go anywhere no one has to hear it i don't even have to record it but just playing something singing something you know when there's time and i think not letting your mood dictate whether or not you're you feel creative which is something i really struggle with because like half the time I just feel sad and like, you know, nine times out of 10, it's like, well, I'm sad today. And I don't feel like, you know, being creative, but I think artists like that's when they do turn to their thing, their yeah. vice, right. It's cause they are sad. So they do grab their pen and they write something down or they are sad. And that's why they are sitting, you know, with their guitar, their piano and playing. So I think that like 
when I'm emotional in some way, I, I always turn to the piano and I think that's kind of like what keeps me going, you know? Yeah. It's not necessarily like I, I, I'm not always shooting for like some project or trying to create some single or it's like, it just, I want to, I want to make music. I want to make sounds. Makes you feel good. It does. It's definitely like the cheapest way to get therapy. I think for me, (laughs) uh, yeah. Have there been periods of your life where you didn't spend much time songwriting or, or playing music? And, and do you feel like those were darker times or times where like maybe you felt more weight on your shoulders because you weren't getting that in? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. I mean, I definitely go, th- like I'm, I'm in like a pretty light, like sad spell right now. I mean, it is January, right? In Oregon. So I think yeah, we're all a, like, it's dark out here. Yeah. Like we're all like very, very sad right Clinging now. <laughs> to every five minute period of life where there's sunshine outside oh and you're like, what? Gosh. Yeah. Like trying to move my body every day, like all of that. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely been long, like when, when my life blew up, you know, like I was talking to you about, like when I, my whole life just like fell apart. And like I said, like I, got a divorce and moved and I definitely felt like just doing nothing. Like, like I had nothing to give, like the well was empty, just fumes. Like there's nothing. But, um, I think it's like that old friend, you know, that you sit down with after not seeing them for a while. Like when you do sit down, you're like, God, I've missed you, you know? And that's what it feels like to sit down and make us make some sounds after you haven't in a while. Like, yeah. So I think it's just like that, that feeling quickly returns and you remember like, I do love music, you know, <laughs> or like you'll hear a song and be like, I love that song. And it yeah. makes you want to like make something, you know? Yeah. Or you go to a show and you're like, <sighs> yeah. you just like can't stop thinking about like the first thing that you're going to do when you get home is, is create something. For sure. Oh my gosh. This here's, a, here's a little story. Um, at Isabeau's release show at Alberta, um, arts center, the Abbey, the Abbey. Yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah. The yeah. Abbey. I was in a really, really bad place and I, and I knew I wanted to go and about like two minutes into the show, I just started like profusely weeping, like just like could not stop crying. Like the the visuals, the music, her voice, her band, um, Margaret, like all of it just, I started, and after her last note and people started applauding, the, the show was over. I had to leave and I went into my car and I found a parking lot and I just sobbed. And I was just, I think music does that. It just really good music just moves you to let your feelings out. And I think that well breaks and then it allows creativity to kind of like happen again. And shows will do that to me. I mean, that's just one of many that, I mean, I saw Nickel Creek this summer bawled my eyes out. <laughs> I used to love Nickel Creek as a kid. It's a nostalgia thing for me, you know, like, yeah. so I, I think that's what music is. It's just like this gift, you know, and you, 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 it's like, I have nothing to give. And then like hear a great song or see a show or like, and it just moves you to like, okay, like, thank you. Like I missed you. <laughs> you yeah, know? Like, absolutely. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And anytime I feel like I have that feeling of, oh, I'm, I'm not going to make it to this thing. And then I do show up. I just always can't believe that I was thinking about not getting to see that thing that is just like so filling or yep. moving in some yep. way. Yeah. So. 
yeah, movies will do that to me too. Like really good mu- movies. Like I'll be like, God, that's beautiful. <laughs> you know, like, or a good soundtrack or yeah. something. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. This is for sure, really man. fun way to get to know more about you. I have uh, enjoyed getting to know you like this last year or so. I, I feel like we've ended up in Paddle similar boards. friend circles. Did it. Yeah. <laughs> and I converted <laughs> you into a, yeah. a, a paddle boarder. You had like a very similar experience to that I did where a friend let me borrow one of theirs at the lake one day. And mm-hmm. As soon as I got off of it, like got back on shore, I was I was ordering myself you paddle were on boards. Amazon yeah. buying them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Similar. Like I used your paddle boards at, at your birthday and then I was like, Hey, where'd you get these? And then I <laughs> literally went home and bought two. That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, it's been awesome. it's been uh, nice to chat with you on the mics. It's been great to know get to know you. Likewise. In uh, these uh, common spaces amongst some some folks that we you know yeah share in common. I don't yeah. know if that's that's right the right wording. It is. We have friends in yeah. similar circles, that's and, right. and through that we've gotten to hang out. Yeah. So I'm glad that we finally uh, jumped on the mics here. For sure, man. Anytime. <laughs> I love being a part of Dan Cable Presents in whatever facet capacity that is, whether that's tuna sandwiches or podcasts. Tuna sandwiches and podcasting. That's what I'm doing <laughs> with my life right now. So um, <laughs> I appreciate you being a part of it. I love it. Or yeah. DJing. DJing. Um, I want to play the episode out with Mastermind, a track that you mentioned earlier, yeah. a track you did with New Body Electric and Nosila. That's right. Both former guests of the podcast. Heck yeah. Great people. Um, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with you. Please do. And Anna, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program. Okay. And it means absolutely nothing. It's okay. just the way that my grandfather, um, says program. He always okay. says program. Program. It's, yep. uh, it's an interesting enunciation. It's, uh, or pronunciation or pronounce. I, I found out pronunciation. I found out the other day yeah. that I have been using uh, enunciate improperly for okay. um, a very long time, which is what is it really embarrassing? What were you saying? I don't know. I was just using it to explain pronouncing things weird, oh. and that is not the that is not what enunciate <laughs> means. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Someone I would... brought that to my attention the other day, and okay. I did it in the most recent Tuna Boy video did as well, really? and just was the first one to comment oh, and take no. myself down a peg. You got being like you got roasted on no. Instagram. I roasted myself first. Oh, you did. I was just like, apparently, I don't understand the use of this word, and I think I've said it probably countless times on this podcast but my grandfather pronounces the word program 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 i feel like my grandfather probably did that too and so we just end it yeah it's just a goofy way to end the show you can deliver it however you'd like if we can get the anna gilbert shy honey it's a program we can properly end this okay you want to count me down five four three two one it's a program she nailed it, everybody. That's Anna. <laughs> Check out the Shy Honey music. All the links will be in the episode notes. Playing it out with Mastermind. And that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland or wherever you are listening from. Cool. We did it. <laughs> that was fun, Dan. I wanted to do like the Wayne's World countdown, I right? where it. I don't do like the two or one. I should have yes. gone that route. Just like that. Done that and I'm wasted. 
Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for their longtime support of this thing. Don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes or in my Instagram bio. 30% off your first year membership with Distro Kid, helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be. Stay up, stay tuned.